And we're going to start a series, a new series, on Elijah and Elisha for a few weeks. And I thought uh, almost for the last two years, I've been in the New Testament, did a whole series on the parables of Jesus and on the miracles of Jesus, and uh, was thinking about, praying about what I wanted to do for at least the next several weeks, and um, thought about Elijah and Elisha. But let's read uh, chapter 17, we're going to read verses 1 through 24, and then we'll have a word of prayer together. The Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he, had, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me, make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft and where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, thou hast also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son. And he stretched himself upon the child three times. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. 
And the soul of the child came in unto him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for today and every day that you give us. Thank you for the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. And I ask and pray this morning as we start this new series that you'd speak to our hearts as we open the word and study the life of Elijah and then of Elisha and how you worked in and through them and these great men of faith that we can make application to our lives. So we ask your blessing upon the Sunday school hour. Also be with the classes downstairs, be with those that are teaching the classes, be with the students as the word of God goes forth. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister and touch the hearts of, of those that are sitting under the teaching today. Bless the morning worship service, Lord, and all that we do today, let it bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray these things. Amen. So, as we start this, uh, well, just, just look at the handout, just to kind of give you an idea of the state of the nation of Israel at this time. Uh, Matthew Henry, the Bible commentator, said this. He said, So sad was the character, both of the princes and people of Israel, as described in the foregoing chapter, that one might have expected God would cast off a people that had so cast him off. But as an evidence to the contrary, never was Israel so blessed with a good prophet as when it was so plagued with a bad king. Never was a king so bold to sin as Ahab, and never was a prophet so bold to reprove and threaten as Elijah. And I suppose that's true about all revivals. When, when you study great revivals that take place, usually God raises up a man to bring uh, and to use to bring that revival to a people that need to hear the truth. And you study revivals, and more times than not, when a revival takes place, uh, wherever it takes place, the character of that nation and at that particular time was just terrible. And um, revivals don't necessarily take place when things are going spiritually well. That's the result of revival. Revivals take place when things are going poorly. And uh, so I think actually you and I as living in a country that's kind of, it seems often spiraling out of control, I think we can take hope in that, that God can bring revival to a nation, no matter how far it, it gets from God. And this, the nation of Israel was about as far from God as they could get. And the king, Ahab and Jezebel, and, and many of you know their, their lifestyle their, and their story. You know, I didn't realize this as I was putting this lesson together, how many times that Elijah is mentioned in the New Testament. And I knew he was mentioned in the New Testament, but he's mentioned 31 times in the New Testament. And all four of the Gospels mentioned Elijah. And the book of Romans, and um, also the book of James, and uh, one of the two witnesses in the book of of um, Revelation. Also, one of uh, only two people in the Bible uh, that the Bible records to have not physically died. Who would be the other one? Give you a, 
Enoch would be the other one. And um, so those are some, just some interesting truths about Elijah. In the name Elijah, it means my God Jehovah is he. And so he arrives on the scene here in chapter 17. We don't really know much about him. It just says in verse 1, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. That's, that's what we know about him. Elijah the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead. Uh, that would be a place they, he would have possibly, we're not even sure, but possibly been from the tribe of Gad or maybe the half-tribe of Manasseh. We do know this, if you notice on your handout, in James chapter 5 and verse 17, the Bible says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And let me just stop there real quickly. So in the New Testament, he's called Elias. In the Old Testament, he's Elijah. Why is that? Anybody know why that, why that is, that his name is spelled Elias in the New Testament and Elijah in the Old Testament? Yeah, it's the language, the Old Testament in Hebrew, the New Testament Greek. And uh, you see that in a number of different occasions there. But it says, James said this of him, that he was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. So we find he's just a man. But he was a man that was used of God. And God uses men. God uses women to do great things. And uh, sometimes those great things aren't necessarily um, uh, well-known things. But things are going on, and God is using people, sometimes in more public ways and sometimes in more private ways. And God would do this, you know, what's recorded when, when Elijah goes and he sits by the brook, um, really wasn't a public uh, we'll see other, other times where publicly Elijah did things. Like when I went to Israel last month, I was given the um, assignment um, to give the devotional on top of Mount Carmel. And that was, that, it was kind of ironic because the first time I went to Israel, uh, that was my, that's the work they asked me to do, give, it, uh, give the devotional on top of Mount Carmel. And that, for those of you that don't know, that's where God, uh, or Elijah went to, uh, faced off against the 450 prophets of Baal. And, um, and we'll, we'll get into that whole story. And, and uh, they cried to their God all day long. And, and that was kind of funny, too, because when I was given the devotional, there was a group up there. And it was a group of charismatics. And I'm, <laughs> I'm teaching this lesson. And they're crying out loud and shouting and, and hooting and hollering on the top. And I'm trying to teach this lesson about... Elijah and the 450 prophets and the 450 prophets who were hooting and, 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 and yelling up on top of Mount Carmel. And everybody in my group's kind of like smirking <laughs> at this whole thing. But um, uh, anyhow, Elijah's an interesting, he's just an interesting guy. And uh, we'll see that. But he's a man of like passion as, as you and I are. And you'll see in the life of Elijah that he, that, that he is a man of the word and he is a man of prayer. And uh, hopefully we'll learn a lot of practical lessons from Elijah. Because you've always heard me say that the word of God and prayer, if you walk with God, that's the left foot and the right foot of your walk. 
got to be in the Word of God regularly, and you have to be in prayer regularly. That's how we move forward. And if you're lacking in one of those areas, you still may be moving forward, but that's the, if you want to keep pace, you've got to be in the Word of God, and you have to be in prayer, and you have to do it regularly. Um, that's how it works. And it's no, it's no great secret, but you see that all through the Bible. And so I encourage you to do that. But you notice here in the text how many times the word of the Lord is mentioned. Look, verse 2, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, and in verse 5, The word of the Lord. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. In verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him. In verse number 16, The word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah, in verse number 24, that the word of the Lord in the mouth, thy mouth, is truth. So we see this about Elijah. He's a great man of prayer and a great man of the word. So a few things I just want to kind of give you this morning out of this particular text. First, if you notice on your handout, with regards to the word of the Lord, and of course we see it all throughout the Bible, uh, the, the, word of the, the word of the Lord in, in relationship to, to the natural realm, and, uh, and how, uh, well, look on your handout, Colossians 1.16. The Bible says, For by him all things were, are created, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And how were they created? Yeah. He spoke them into existence. He spoke the worlds into existence. Pretty amazing. You know, I, one of the things I've always thought of when I get to heaven, I don't know how it's all going to work, but I would, like to, I, would, I would like to see, or almost if you could, like watching a movie or how it happened, I would love to be able to view when God spoke the worlds into existence and to just, and to just, Take all of that in. It must have been quite a sight, wouldn't you say? And just to be able to sit back and say, Lord, how did it happen when you spoke the worlds into existence? But he is the God of the natural realm. Uh, we, see that in, we saw that in the life of Jesus. And, and I just have one example. In Mark chapter, chapter 4, verses 41, And they feared exceedingly, and they said one to another, What manner of this? What, what matter of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Of course, that's when he was out on the Sea of Galilee, and they were afraid the boat was going to sink, and he said, peace be still. And they said, this, he has got control over nature. So let me ask you, as we kind of get into this this morning, so pick it up in verse number three, where he says to, God says to uh, Elijah, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And he went and he did according unto the word of the Lord. And, it, and then in verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. So the, you know, when we talk about God and the spoken word and the natural realm and how God has control over those things, what is it about this scene? Obvious, the obvious one is that God uses the birds to bring uh, food to Elijah. But even a step beyond that, 
what, there's, there's something even more going on there with regards to the ravens bringing the food. Anybody just take a guess at that? Go ahead, Bill. Well, that's, they're unclean. Um, yeah, you're, uh, okay. Yeah. The what? Okay, yeah, They're, the birds, the ravens are carnivorous. And so he's bringing, he's using ravens who are meat eaters to bring the meat to Elijah. And so normally the ravens would eat the meat. So he not only has, we not only just see in this God's sovereignty over nature, and we'll see that in the life of Elijah numerous times, but here he, interestingly enough, he, God chooses ravens who are meat and insect eaters, to bring this, this meat to Elijah. And uh, so not only to con tell the bird, control the birds to do this, but prevent them from eating, eating the, the meat themselves. And so I guess I just, as I read that, it just is an acknowledgement of the sovereign, uh, sovereignty and the power of God over all creation. Matthew Henry wrote in his commentary, he said this about this text. He said, the power, it's just a simple statement, but it's important for us to think about some of these things. The powers of nature are limited, but the powers of nature's God are unlimited. It's just a simple truth, but it's a great truth. The powers of nature are limited, but the powers of na nature's God are all unlimited. And throughout the scriptures, we see, you know, we, if we, we were to go to the book of Revelation and the dead, uh, um, after the battle of Armageddon and the, and the dead that'll be scattered, uh, the birds will come and they'll clean up the dead carcasses. It's just amazing uh, how God will use all of these things. But God's word, God has power over the, uh, over the, over the natural world. And he speaks to Elijah, and he has Elijah go. There's something else, too, uh, with regards to Elijah, uh, the prophet, going to the brook. And there he has now been isolated from the Israelites. And here's this great prophet of God. You would have to think, is God, is, is, is Elijah more profitable by the brook all alone? Or wouldn't he be more profitable amongst the people? Right? And there's almost a sense when you think of what's happening here that God is almost as a form of judgment for a short while depriving the Israelites of the man of God. If, if the people are going to reject the things of God, they're... they're who was it? Uh, it was Samuel. Remember when the, the people wanted a king? And uh, God didn't want them to have a king. And what did God say to Samuel? He said, they haven't, Samuel, rejected you. Who did they reject? We've rejected God. And the same with Elijah. For this small amount of time, God's got him by himself away from the Israelites. But God's going to be teaching him things here as well. And, and then in turn, teaching you and I some things. So God spoke to Elijah. Verse 3, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, and so get thee hence, and he, and he does what God has told him to do. 
Well, if you turn on to the back of your, I think it's on the back of your handout. Well, God's still speaking to you and to me. And he speaks to us through his word. And um, we're to be mindful of that. The psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Aren't you glad for that? But you have to be in the word of God for it to be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. You know, it would be like having a flashlight and stumbling around and not turning the flashlight on. And so we're mindful of that. Or Psalm 119, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. So here's, here's Elijah. He's by the brook. God's providing for him. We learned that lesson there that God provides for you and I. Um, we learn here that God speaks to Elijah, and Elijah is a man who listens to God, and he does what God would have him to do. But in verse 7, it says, After a while, the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And I couldn't help but thinking of, as I read that, that there are times in our lives where different things dry up. But one of the things that we can always be thankful for is that God's care for his people never dries up, right? It may seem like around us we're kind of in a desert experience or a brook cherith experience, but, but as a child of God, God's care for us, it never dries up. It's always available for you and for me. And so we should be thankful for that. But now we move into verse 8, and he has this encounter with the woman of Zarephath. So I want you to do this. Just take a minute and read verses 8 through 16. And I want you to give me some characteristics about the woman uh, and some things about her that we can learn here as we just read some of these truths. So I'm just going to be silent for a couple of minutes and I'm going to read myself. Just read through verses 8 through 16 and try to glean, pull some things out here uh, about this woman. Okay, time's up, because I read it, time's up, <laughs> and I'm a slow reader. <laughs> so, some things before, before I give that chance here. So, just a couple of things on, on the handout. So, we're going to talk a little bit in this section about the walk of faith and the walk of obedience. You notice in the handout that the town that he was sent to, Zarephath, that this town, the name of that town, it means refinement. 
And also interesting, just as a side note, it says, it belongeth to Zidon. Zidon is actually on the northern coast of the Mediterranean. In the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21, Jesus goes to Zidon. It's a Gentile town. And I'm not, I didn't double check this, but I believe it's the only time that Jesus leaves the coasts of Israel, the borders of Israel, during his earthly ministry. But it's a town on the Mediterranean coast, about 25 miles north of Tyre. It received its name from the firstborn of Canaan, the grandson of Noah. And so again, Jesus had visited there. Um, so give me some characteristics about this woman. So Dennis, you had your hand up, so I want to... Well, that is where she's at. That's true. Okay, so that's, that's she's going to, this is all the food she's got left. She found some sticks. Um, but what about with her relationship? I guess what I'm looking forward to is, what do you see about her characteristics and her relationship to the man of God and the um, requests of the man of God? Yes. She or her, she has. Yes, she, she had only a very little bit of meal and oil, and she gave all of it up to feed somebody else, trusting that it wouldn't go dry. Well, actually, she didn't even know at the time, she I don't think. But, yes. Good. Yes. She had faith. It's a woman of faith. Yes. Well, I was going to say kind of a question, but it's kind of an interesting contrast. Like Dennis was saying, she had given up all hope, but still has an immense faith. So right. She lost her hope in even surviving, but then when the man of God came around and she had faith and trusted him. It's, it's kind of an interesting contrast to me. Yeah, in just a minute, Jenny, I'll call on you. But it is interesting in verse 9. Look at the end of it. It says, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. As if she was expecting this. She had been, she had been spoken to. Yes. Yeah, it's like the old saying, Char charity begins at home. Well, we'll, we'll take care of us first, and then, then if we have any leftover, we'll give it to you. Yeah. Yes, Terry. Yeah, well, she was, she, as you can see in my handout, she was a woman who walked by faith and there was a walk of obedience there. Yeah. And um, anything else? Yes. So let's look at it again. So let's just kind of read through it here. 
So in verse 10, she arose, so he arose, excuse me, and went to Zarephath. Again, that's the name of the place is the place of refinement. And just as a practical point, God's going to put you and I through different situations in life because there's a constant refinement that needs to take place in all of our lives. And we need to be aware of that, that God is doing a work and continues to do a work. And so he goes to Zion. I've commanded the widow woman there. He rose and went to Zarephath, verse 10, came to the gate of the city. Behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal, a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my sons, that we may, or my son, and we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, fear not, fear not. And, um, you know, most people would say, well, easy for him to say, fear not, fear not. <laughs> this is all I got left. And go and do as thou hast said, but make me therefore a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and she did. So all of those characteristics that you picked out, but she just doesn't, you don't see any complaining here. I mean, she has, obviously she's got some questions. She says, well, I'll feed you, but this is all I've got left. And I think the scriptures put that there, obviously, for us to understand the condition that she was in. And we see that she was a very charitable and generous woman to do this. And she was and had great confidence, I believe, in the, the word of God. And that's what we learn when we, when we read the word of God and we apply it to our lives. We, we learn to be people of faith. And sometimes that faith is trials. This woman is going to have a number of trials. This is a great trial in her life. We're out of food. Um, on your handout, 1 Peter 1.7, it says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So if God didn't bring trials into our lives, where would our faith be, right? I mean, we've got to exhibit faith. I was reading a post from uh, a missionary just uh, yesterday who was out on deputation and uh, their truck that they've had, I guess, I don't know if it was the engine or the transmission, I forget, it failed. And they have, they're just starting out, they have no money to fix this truck. They're trying to, they need about $5,000 to get this truck back on the road. And um, so they don't know if that's the answer or, but at the end of it, he basically said this, it's going to be, maybe not these exact words, but I'm kind of paraphrasing it. It's going to be exciting to see how God works in this situation, how God provides. And so this is a trial that he's going through. 
but he's placed himself in this position. And, we, and God places us in positions where there are trials that are going on in our life. And that's where our walk of faith develops. That's where, when we're in the word of God and, and when we're in our prayer life, that's what gets us through those walks. Those are the times of refinement in our life. And as has already been mentioned, she's a, an obedient servant of the Lord. What she's asked to do defies logic. What she's asked to do uh, is not something, it just doesn't make any sense. And sometimes there's things that God asks us to do. They don't ever seem to make, sometimes they don't seem to make fa- uh, sense. But when we, when we walk with the Lord, and the man of God here said, fear not, fear not. Listen, when we walk in obedience and we walk by faith, it'll defeat the fears that come into our lives. 1 John 4.18 on your handout. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. God loved this woman. He cared about this woman. He knew what this woman and her son were going through. He understood that. Or it says in Matthew, Fear ye not, therefore, ye are more of more value than many sparrows. But I love this too, and, and this I read, and I wrote it on my notes, it's not on yours. Listen to what was said of this text. The meal and the oil multiplied not in the hoarding, but in the spending. Did you get that? The meal and the oil multiplied not in the hoarding of it. The woman could have said, no, no, I've got, to, I've got to keep what I have here. We don't have enough to share this. But the meal and the oil, it multiplied not in the hoarding, but in the spending. And really, when Elijah came, it's much like what the Bible says in Revelation 3.20. The scriptures say, Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It's not really, a, sometimes that's used as a salvation verse. That's not really a salvation verse. That just means the Lord wants, to, wants us to be involved in our lives. And uh, when we open the door of our life, that God will come into that area of our life. And sometimes it's, it's a step of faith, and we're taking there a step of faith. I thought about financial giving and tithing. Why, why is it that often people don't tithe? You know what? Because this, the exact same situation takes place in their life, and it's taking place in the widow's life here. The widow... She took the little that she had and she gave it to the man of God and it was multiplied. And I've had numerous times, you know, my position on, on giving and tithing is if you're not, you're just going to rob yourself of a blessing because that's how it works. And so that's just, and that's a step of faith. So when people say, I just, I just don't have, I can't, I can't because of this. No, there's example and example and example in the Bible where God just takes the little and multiplies it. The reverse of that is just to kind of hold on to it. And God's not going to multiply that. Who is the father, according to the Bible, who is the father of our faith? 
Who is that? It's a character in the Bible, a man in the Bible who's called the father of our faith. Abraham. Abraham. How many sons did Abraham have? Two. We had two, but, but one was of the promise. The other was of the flesh. He had one son. And what did God ask him to do with that son? He had, took him to Mount Moriah. And he was going to take his one son and he was going to be put to death. But what happened? Of course, he wasn't put to death, but Abraham being the father of a great multitude of many nations. It's the same principle. Abraham could have said, no, God, this is my only son. I can't kill him. And you've promised that I'm going to be the father of many nations. How can this possibly be? But Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And that's how it works in the scriptures. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It would be like us saying, and Jesus coming to us and saying, listen, I'd like for you to prepare me a meal. Well, what would we do? We would say, okay, we, well, we should. We wouldn't say, no, I don't, really, I don't really have enough to prepare for you, Jesus. Come back another time. And when we don't trust and follow God's word, that's exactly what we're dealing with there. So this woman this is a great woman of faith and a woman of obedience. Um, just trusted the Lord. We learn this about her. We see that. We see that this about her. And we re we're really out of time with the, re the rest of this chapter. But um, so I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not even going to get into the, the third point here, um, which is an important point because well, I'll just finish with this. As you know, and as we've read through this, the woman's son he dies, and so here's a couple of important just ending thoughts. And, of course, we know at the end he's raised back to life. And uh, Jesus, of course, said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me um, shall not die, but shall live. I'm sure I might have butchered the last part of that verse. But we also learn this. The woman of Zarephath, a woman of faith and obedience who walked with God, it did not mean that tragedy and trials we're not going to enter into her life. She lost her son here. And uh, it was a great miracle of God that God did um, in her life. And then she kind of finishes at the end here. And, and she says to this in verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. And I kind of thought that was interesting. You would think the cruise of oil didn't fail. You would think by that she would have known that he was a man of God. So it also teaches us that despite the fact that she was a woman who walked by faith and of obedience, there was still a need of growth in her life. Amen? And so there's always a need of growing in our lives. And sometimes, let's, let's remember as we enter into New Year, as sometimes we're growing, but sometimes we kind of slide back. And then we're growing, and we, and we need to just be aware of that. And to be aware, where are we? Are we walking? Are we making progress? And uh, what's our goal for this next year? You know, as a lot of times people um, have goals set out for the new year. And, you know, what do they want to achieve? Where do they want to go? Where do they want to be involved with spiritually? And uh, so we need to be mindful of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for, again, just 
you're working in our lives and uh, your love and mercy and grace. And just as you cared about Elijah and you cared about the woman of Zarephath and, and her son, you care about us. And help us to be a people of faith, people who walk in obedience, who love the word of God and spend time in prayer. And help us as we get into this series of lessons about Elijah to see these truths and make application to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.